Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Whoa. That's the first time I've seen that, but welcome to Wacky Wednesday on the Arrowhead Attic channel. As always, I'm Adam Best, joined by the golden voice of Sterling Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes said to add the ma, right? He told me. I, I, I got to listen to the guy, man. I got to listen to that. That's the one guy we all have to listen to. And as well as producer Richard doing his thing behind the scenes, we're always grateful for that. How you doing, man? Doing good, man. Doing well. Heading on a, uh, a golf trip starting tomorrow down in the Ozarks. So really looking forward to this. Hey, that's my, uh, that's my stomping grounds. Original OG stomping grounds, given that I'm from Springfield. So... Say hi to everybody for me in that neck of the woods. Very quick question. You can just say one word. What team did you grow up hating more? Because there's been a little bit of a fierce debate online. The Broncos or the Raiders? Broncos. Growing up for me, I I could not stand Jake Plummer. Jake Plummer was the nightmare fuel for me. Uh, anytime I saw a bootleg, I immediately curled up in a ball, tried to grab a, a blanket and just cover my eyes because Jake Plummer running a bootleg was the worst thing possible for me growing up as a Chiefs fan. I raise you a uh, Jake the Snake bootleg with a John Elway bootleg, uh, who, who I think is ultimately overrated. But I know that we have Raider week. I know that originally the Raiders were the marquee rivalry. But let's be honest, they have become a joke of a franchise and haven't won a Super Bowl in 40 years. The Broncos have won three. I think it's time to say that the Broncos are officially the most hated team and our biggest rivalry. History changes, right? You know, what was true 60 years ago isn't true today. Yeah, and I will also say just the more recent success of Denver has been Denver, you know, Elway doing the whole quiet and the crowd down. I hate the Raiders. There's a little something extra when it comes to the Broncos. A little something extra. Yeah, and and I think there's some pity for the Raiders almost. They're, uh, they have a cash-poor nepotism case owner who is not to be taken seriously. They're a punchline and... I just don't fear them at all, especially now that they're in the third city and they are they are rudderless, right? And I think Sean Payton and this new ownership group are to be taken very seriously. So, uh, and, and it was only, what, seven years ago that they won seven or eight, I guess eight, since they won a championship. Yeah. I know it seems like forever ago because we've beaten them 15 times in a row, which I think makes them feel like they're not a rival. I get that. I mean, it's been since the the Royals won the World Series. If you're watching the Royals play baseball right now, yes, that's a long-ass time ago. Before we go any further, shout-out to Caesars Sportsbook. If you want to do us a huge favor, go to Caesars Sportsbook. Use code ARROWFULL, A-R-R-O-W-F-U-L-L, and get your first bet on Caesars up to $1,250 on any sport. 
This offer is only available for new customers who are 21 plus and physically present in Gambling Legal States. Please remember to always gamble responsibly. Check the episode description for the full terms of the offer. Again, go to Caesars Sportsbook, use code AROFUL, and get your first bet on Caesars up to 1250 bucks on any sport. The other thing you can do to help us, if you're listening to this on the Arrowhead Addict uh, audio channel, anywhere where you get your podcasts, is consider subscribing to our YouTube or TikTok channels because we have a lot of original content on those on those channels and it would really help us out. So with that said, let's get into a new segment. We're calling this Summer Smorgasbord. We have a ton of news, none really earth shattering. So we're just going to rip through these rapid fire, four minutes a piece, like we have an uh, empty stomach at the buffet, right? Sound good to you? Let's do it. Number one. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase taunted Patrick Mahomes with Pat who after declaring Joe Burrow the league's best player. What do you think about this? I think it's a little overblown. I think it's silly. Uh, I don't know why you would try to even consider poking the bear that is Patrick Mahomes. Same time, I kind of get it. You've been hearing all these players, Joe Burrow and Josh Allen, talk about how great Patrick is. If you're a player of one of those two teams and that guy's your leader, what are you supposed to say? It's very difficult for a wide receiver that plays in the Bengals to say, all right, guys, yeah, Patrick Mahomes is better than Joe Burrow. You're not going to hear that. Maybe he should have said something other than Pat who, unless he's trying to say, hey, it's Patrick, not Pat. I don't really understand it. Yeah, I think it's worse than poking the bear. It's like uh, the Harry Potter Hogwarts uh, motto. This is probably going to go over your head, but it's never tickle a sleeping dragon. Uh, I I get pumping up your boy. I I don't get going out of your way to take a shot at Patrick Mahomes. That just seems, you know, he's one of the few athletes we've seen that truly has that Michael Jordan petty gene where, you know, he's going to remember this. uh, And, and you just don't want to give him any extra fuel. Even Max Crosby recently said that, like, you got to be careful about, about, you know, making that guy uh, angry and, and having him raise his play a, a level. Um, yeah, I, I know that rationally Jamar Chase, as Joe Burrow's guy, has to get out there and pump up Joe Burrow. But fandom is not rational. And I think if you're a Kansas City Chiefs fan or player, you should take the shot as personal as personally as you want. You should use it as fuel. Uh, and I think it just makes a really good rivalry even better. Yeah, and that's what's, what's fun about it. This is a legit rivalry now. You talk bleep about the other teams. I mean, Eli Apple was always getting thrown in there. Now, Eli Apple's not as good, as talented as Jamar Chase. That's obviously a different story. But <laughs> again, if you piss off Mahomes, he's going to find the energy to double it back against you and against that team. Uh, I guarantee the next time the Chiefs play the Bengals, Mahomes is going to realize this. He'll probably mouth something like Jamar who or Patrick who, you know, that's going to be in the locker room. If you're ever mic'd up, you're going to hear, hear him saying after a touchdown, Patrick who, um, maybe Jamar Chase was talking about Patrick Beverly. Did he, did he get any specifications? Maybe Patrick Swayze, um, Patrick Sertan, Patrick Sertan. Are we sure it was about Mahomes? I'm pretty sure. But to the Bengals credit, Joe Burrow said that Mahomes right now is the league's best player and he's trying to catch him and surpass him. 
So I respect that. Uh, but there's just something about this team's cockiness and arrogance. I think it's a little unearned, especially when it's projected. If they're projecting it towards the Ravens or the Steelers or the Browns, hey, I get that. Projecting it at us when we've won two championships in the past four years and they have won zero in franchise history, you can't do that. We own you. You know, I don't care how many how many win regular season wins you have. That doesn't matter. All that matters is the chips. Hmm. The Chiefs have the chips. The Bengals, well, they have some regular season wins. Congratulations. Uh, I, I just didn't realize they hung banners for regular season wins, but I guess that's what we're going for now. Uh, the Bengals, the Bills, um, you know, you almost feel bad. You almost feel bad for those two teams. They talk all this smack, and you're like, congratulations on your regular season win. I, I think Buffalo fans, probably because what they went through in the 90s, are a little more humble. Mm. Touchdown, Kansas City! Like the new buzzer oh, yeah. there? Oh, yeah, the, count, the countdown Otron boob. It's back. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Is rookie cornerback Nick Jones, a seventh-rounder out of Ball State, the next Veach late-round cornerback Jim? No, that's number two. What are we thinking here? Is this, is this preseason not even preseason, minicamp hype overblown. I, I mean, he did, a, what, have a interception in minicamp? Everyone's talking about that. That's obviously very, very exciting. I don't know. It's An interception of Mahomes. He, he didn't pick off Blaine Gabbert, you know? No, like, I get it, but it, 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 it's way too early to sit here and say, yeah, Nick Jones is going to be that guy. Uh, I think he makes the roster. I'll, I'll go. I'll go on that limb and say I think Nick Jones makes the roster, but he still has a way to go before Legarius McDuffie, Joshua Williams, Jalen Watson. You're probably looking at wide or cornerback uh, five at best. Yeah, for me, I, I looked into his athletic profile. There's nothing super remarkable about him. I think he looks like a good player on tape, but the Chiefs, their analytics department, their scouting department. There's something that they're doing to isolate individual coverage and, and sort of see things that other franchises aren't seeing. And so I'm just based on Veach's recent record or reputation. I'm excited about Nick Jones just based on that and based on what uh, we're kind of hearing from like the Spagnolos, the Dave Merritts, the defensive back coach. Uh, and the reason why I would like him to make the team and to push for playing time is I love LeJarrius Sneed, but I've kind of done a 180 on him. I just don't know if we're going to extend Chris Jones and, and take care of Patrick Mahomes. Really, I think what Veach has decided is we can't afford to, to splurge on corners and we can't afford to splurge on receivers. So another guy, because, hey, I like Jalen Watson a lot. I like Joshua Williams a lot but they were more up and down than we admit last season and cornerback that position has a lot of variance. So they could definitely take a step backwards. I think Lydia Sneed might've taken a step backwards his second year in the league. Mm. I, I always compare cornerbacks to relievers in baseball where one year they can be dominant and the next year they get shelled, they get burned. Uh, I think the comparison is very apt, 
But I will say, talking to Jalen Watts, and I had a chance to, to talk to him on air the other day. It was at Marquez Valdez Scantling's charity event, Humble Beginnings. And it, it was really cool. I was sitting down, I was asking, I was like, you went from seventh rounder to Super Bowl champion. Let's start from the beginning. What were expectations for yourself as a seventh rounder coming to the Kansas City Chiefs? I, I did mention, you know, you've had some guys before you and in, in uh, Rashad Fenton as a sixth rounder make the roster right and have an impact. Uh, you saw an undrafted guy in Javarius Ward uh, get traded for and obviously make a huge impact. But what did you what expectations do you have for yourself? And he was like, I was just trying to make the roster. He was, he was straight up. He's like, I'm not going to sit here and try and say I was going to be the best cornerback in the NFL. He's like, my first initial goal was to make the roster. He understood it was an uphill battle battle as a seventh rounder. But at the same time, you know, there has been precedence for the Kansas City Chiefs using these late round corners and actually getting runs. So if you show out in OTAs, you show out in training camp, you show out in preseason, even if you're unheralded, you'll get an opportunity. So for Nick Jones, you should be pretty excited right now. You might just get that opportunity. Yeah, he needs to probably bring it on special teams. But I, I think right now he's looking pretty good to make the final roster. And let's hope we have something here. We, uh, we're we going to bank this extra time and move on to number three. Sky Moore has, just today, had a message from Mahomes. He said, if you look my way, you won't be mad. And he basically went on to to state that He's had more time to master the playbook and learn what Patrick Mahomes likes. Do you buy this? Do you think that, especially having Sky Moore come out of a small school, that it might have taken a little bit more time to get on the same page with the playbook, his head coach, and his quarterback? Yeah, 100%. I'm all in on Sky Moore taking a huge step this year. Uh, again, he was out at the event as well and talked with him, me and uh, Josh Briscoe. If you listen to the podcast yesterday, he joined me in the podcast. And Briscoe actually had a chance to ask Sky Moore. And he's like, man, I, I was coming from a, from a small school. It was a huge adjustment period for him. He knew it was going to take a little bit of time. The Chiefs knew it was going to take a little bit of time. And I think you're going to see the rewards the reaping of the rewards of this season, the patience. Uh, I will also point out he was very highly ranked by PFF in that limited action. You saw George Pickens, what he did last year. If you look at some of the underlying numbers, actually Sky Moore was ranked higher. He didn't have the opportunity to get on the field and show what showcase we can really do. I will also say I shook Sky Moore's hand. Those are some Johnny Benchian sized hands. You understand why. See, I, I made a joke yesterday to make the joke again. I'm a solid nine. Right. We got solid nine right here. My hand it was engulfed by his. It's like Brock Lesnar or something, man. They're going to have to. He probably has to like special order his receiver gloves. Yeah. Uh, I was actually one of the people that put out a comparison of George Pickens and Sky Moore on Twitter. And according to reception perception, Sky Moore was more successful against uh, press man, man, and zone. Sorry, my dog is prancing around here. I don't know what the hell she's doing. Um, distracted me for a second, but yeah. Yeah, so limited limited sample size. He had less snaps, but I think part of that, why Pickens had all these highlights and everything, Pittsburgh, philosophically, they throw their young receivers to the Wolves. Kansas City and Andy Reid, they pump the brakes a little bit. They, they um on-ramp them slower. So I, I think 
you know, making up your mind that George Pickens was the superior draft selection in year one is very premature. Yeah, extremely premature. And I will say this, I'm going to say it again. I've said it throughout the offseason. I think Sky Moore leads this Chiefs wide receiver room in receptions. I said wide receiver room because we're not counting Travis Kelsey, obviously. I think when you when, when it's all said and done, we're going to look back and see Sky Moore at the top of the receptions list for the Chiefs wide receivers. Not yards, probably not touchdowns, but I do think receptions. He's going to thrive in that intermediate range. He's very shifty. He gets open. And again, I keep comparing him to a different Pittsburgh wide receiver, Deontay Johnson. If you look at their athletic scores, you look at their combine numbers, you look at where they came from, their size, they're so similar. And again, Sky Moore and Deontay Johnson, not known as the fastest guys, but the difference is they're both shifty and great route runners. They know how to get open. I think you're going to see Sky Moore get open and beat his man early, especially in man coverage. I think you're going to see Sky Moore lead this wide receiver core in receptions. Yeah, neither of those guys are slow, especially you know in those first 10 yards, which are really important. But I think because of Sky Moore's height, a lot of people kind of want to project him into the slot. But like Deontay Johnson, he's good at beating man. He can play outside, and I think he will play outside a lot. Just yeah. my personal opinion because I think, and we'll maybe get to this later, I think Rasheed Rice is eventually going to be in the slot. Uh, I think you and I have a little bit of a difference on that one, but uh, the Chiefs receivers are somewhat interchangeable anyways, so it might be a moot point. Let's move on to number four. This is very interesting news. Came out today, Juju Smith-Schuster hasn't practiced with the Patriots due to a lingering knee problem. Was uh, Was Veach seeing the future when he decided to let Juju walk? I think there was something to that. I think you see the concussions, you see the injuries, you see the knee. There has to be at least a little something to that. I was perplexed at the contract given to Juju Smith-Schuster. He had a really good year last year. He actually had the most receiving yards of any wide receiver to hit free agency last year. It was a down year for free agent wide receivers. It (laughs) was him, Jacoby Myers, but it was Juju who had the most. I think it was 953 or 933 yards last season. And then you see the contract he received. I was befuddled. I, I thought a team would offer more, and I thought the Chiefs would at least match what the Patriots offered him. Turns out there was more to the story. It sounds like uh, there were some injury concerns, and Brett Veach said, no, we're not going to risk it. We're going to expect some positive Momentum from Sky Moore. We're going to see uh, in draft a, a wide receiver in Rasheed Rice. Uh, we're going to bring in a veteran who had a very nice end of the year in Richie James. And that's the way the Chiefs are going to go. Uh, they took a chance on Juju Smith-Schutz from that one-year deal in Juju Sound and had a very good year, by the way. I mean, Juju had a great year. But the injury concerns, not just last year, but in years prior – Definitely pumped the brakes on a multi-year extension from Kansas City. I do think Brett Veach had a, a little in the know on this one. Yeah, and it kind of mirrors, I think, what they're doing on the uh, on the defensive back side with corners. They figured out that they have such a strong belief in Patrick and Andy in their offensive system. Travis Kelsey has to be included in that. The offensive line has to be included in that that wide receivers who might not thrive in other places can thrive here. So there's no reason 
to throw a substantial amount of money at a guy who, who, let's be honest, he might be defective. There was a reason why the la- the previous two years he got one year deals, uh, and and they weren't they weren't for very much. So I think he just there was no reason to risk and replacing him with Rasheed Rice. I've said before that Rasheed Rice was second among all college players in yards per out run uh, versus the zone. He uh, excuse me, he was first. He was second in yards per out run out of the slot to only Quentin Johnston, who I think the Chiefs were also interested in as a Juju replacement. Uh, There are a lot of rumors linked to the Chiefs and Quentin Johnston. The other thing I really like about him, Juju was a very physical player as a blocker. So is Rasheed. Uh, Rasheed was number one in college last year at drawing pass interference flags. He played through turf toe. He's a tough, rugged player. So I think Veach is like, Hey, especially with Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, we can succeed without throwing the bag at receivers. And this might be the new normal. We saw them let McCole Hardman walk, trade away Tyreek Hill. Uh, it might be the way that they do business now on the offensive side. Yeah. Uh, I will also say with Juju Smith-Schuster, I, I will give him credit for playing in 16 games last year, but he left early in one game with a concussion, if I'm not mistaken, correct? Uh, he missed correct. the playoff game at one point for something else as well. The uh, Bengals they, game. Yeah, he was having Bengals knee game. problems. And he, and, he, and, and he said it was a miracle that he played in the Super Bowl. So, again, there, there, there are some injury concerns. And then in 2021, he played in only five games. Uh, in 2019, he played in 12. So there is some injury concern. They're starting to pile up for Juju. Uh, I thought a team was going to offer more money, including Kansas City, but I think you're looking at the reason why. Yeah, and Kansas City. got to let Mitch squeeze in there. In related news, and this is perhaps, Juju's injury is perhaps why this is accelerating. Jeff Howe of The Athletic is reporting there's optimism that when DeAndre Hopkins visits the Patriots tomorrow, a deal can be reached. How does that make you feel? Relieved? Frustrated? Somewhere in between? I don't care. I don't care. The, uh, the Mike maybe, Tomlin. It, I, we do not care. And maybe that's just... Again, the Chiefs are going to be Super Bowl favorites whether they land DeAndre Hopkins or not. Look at the betting odds right now. It's the Chiefs. They land DeAndre Hopkins. Guess who's going to be first still? The Chiefs. If he goes to the Patriots, you think they're all, all of a sudden going to be the first? They will not be. Uh, I, I see what Sam says. Not even in their own division. He's a luxury. Yeah, he, he's a luxury. The Chiefs don't need him. Is it nice to have him? Sure. Would I like to have him on a one-year deal? You bet your ass. Do I think the Chiefs need him? Do I? Do they sign him to a multi-year deal? I'm out. So that's what it comes down to is what does DeAndre Hopkins want? What is he getting offered by these teams? Um, the Chiefs have made a conscious effort, as we've been talking, to get cheaper and younger at wide receiver. That is not a DeAndre Hopkins. That does not sound like a 31-year-old who wants to get paid. It doesn't sound like there's a lot of a, a lot of big match there. So we'll see. Um, again, I'm not saying I don't want DeAndre Hopkins here, but I don't want him here in a multi-year deal because that's going to take money away from Legarius Creed, Humphrey, Trey Smith, and the rest. And if it's a one-year deal, I'm fine with it. Yeah. Uh, 
I was I was originally big out when it was a trade. And then I was kind of in when I thought that he might be ring hunting and trying to reset his market and possibly willing to take a discount on a one-year deal. Now, as soon as he booked that trip to Nashville to meet with the Titans, I knew it was a cash grab. Hey, get your money, man. I, I can't hate. But it's clear his priorities aren't winning a ring. It's, it's really landing one last sizable contract. And I think if you're the Patriots, you have more motivation to do this. And the reason is you got to see what you have in Mac Jones. You have not surrounded him with enough talent to make a, a, like a, a true evaluation, especially given last year they had Matt Patricia and Joe Judge as maybe the worst offensive coordinator tandem we've, we've ever seen. Like, what the hell was that? But I think that's why a team like, like the Patriots, maybe like Carolina, maybe even Tennessee, if they play Will Levitz, wanted a guy that their young quarterback can lean on. I will also point out, can we stop with it? They're going to take a, a discount to come here. Can we stop that? We've heard so many times people say that. When has that ever happened? When was I the mean, last time I, a player I, I think Donovan Smith. I think Donovan I Smith could, could have gotten more somewhere else. Yeah. I think maybe Carlos Dunlap last year. Uh, I, think might, not, I, I don't think so, man. Where I think Carlos Dunlap signed? No. Again, it's the most overblown trope in sports. They will play with Mahomes, or they'll play with a winner and take a discount. Maybe one out of every hundred guys does that. Maybe. It's such a surprise. We really need to stop that. In this particular, in this particular instance, when the Hall of Fame is on the line. Hey, and you look at Andre Johnson, who I think should be in the Hall of Fame, but was on bad teams with bad quarterbacks, and he doesn't have a ring. And he was a better player in my eyes than Reggie Wayne. But Reggie, Reggie Wayne might end up getting in, and he might not. And I think if you're DeAndre Hopkins and you've made over $100 million and the Hall of Fame hangs in the balance and your legacy hangs in the balance, I know legacy can't feed your family, but come on, you already have generational wealth. I thought this might be the exception. It wasn't. Touchdown, Kansas City! So I know you guys talked about this yesterday. What are the Chiefs and Chris Jones waiting on? I personally think it's the Jets and star defensive tackle Quentin Williams uh, agreeing on a contract extension because what Chris has said is he wants to be at least the second paid defensive tackle Aaron Donald's contract is ridiculous. He knows he's not going to get that. Uh, but he can't really know for sure that he's the, the second highest paid defensive tackle until Quentin Williams, who's a rising star in his own rights, gets signed. So I kind of think that's what's holding this up. Do you agree? I, oh, yeah. I, I've been on this train for a long time now. This is probably won't going to go four minutes because I've talked about this a lot already. But this is what I've been saying. He wants to be saying I paid. He is going to wait for Quinn Williams. It's not a case necessarily of the Chiefs. I think the Chiefs probably would like to get a deal done before Quinn Williams gets signed. 
But Chris Jones in his camp, I would have to imagine that's the holdup. Unless all of a sudden Chris Jones is like, yeah, but give me 28, 29 mil per year. We'll call it good because we would have to assume Quinn Williams is not getting over that. I will also point out I'm not worried. Chiefs and Chris Jones came to a understanding and extension last time on July 14th, a month from today, uh, however many years ago, that was when they came to an agreement on an extension. I'm not worried. We know why he's sitting out. It's not like Stefan Diggs. It's not this trying to read between the tea leaves and read between the lines. It's going to take time. We have no idea how it's going to play out. That seems like a disaster. We know why Chris Jones isn't at minicamp. There's no um, confusion. I'm fine with it. He's going to get. He's going to get an extension at some point. It's probably going to be here in Kansas City. I'd be shocked if he went anywhere else. I actually believe him when he says he wants to retire a Kansas City Chief. Uh, I do think there's something to when he says that after he's been here this long, and it feels like there's a great top down and understanding between the Hunts, Andy, just everyone, and Chris Jones are all on the same page. It'll get done at some point. I totally agree. There is a kinship between him and the fans that's kind of unusual. He really loves being a chief. He really loves the fan base and the city. He interacts with people, whether it's on Twitter or when he's out in the public. In a way, most players don't. I think he wants to be here, and I think he will be here. I don't blame him for not showing up at minicamp. Uh, some guy for the uh, a safety, rookie safety for the Colts blew out his knee today. We don't want that to happen to Chris Jones before he gets his new deal. Chris Jones doesn't want that. So, you know, kick back, big fella. We'll get this done in July or August, sometime before training camp. I think that's all that really matters. Mm. Uh, I like this quote right here. He won't retire a chief. He'll retire a Canton great. I love that. In regards to Chris Jones, I love that. He, he is yeah. going to be a Canton great. Yeah, he just has to keep it running a few more years, especially if they get another ring. Uh, I think he's in. You know, if this truly becomes a dynasty, and I think it will, because I do think they'll win a Super Bowl in the next three years, and that will be enough to cement them as a dynasty. Usually you at least get three or four players into the Hall of Fame from that group. And I think he is definitely the the kind of the third wheel after Mahomes and Travis. And I think last year you could make the argument that he was the second best player on the team. I, I will also point this out. I always like using a, are you top three at your position? Are you top five at your position? He's been top five at his, posi- at his position for a while now. He's been top three for a decent amount now. And I think last year you can make the case he was the best interior defense alignment. Uh, again, being top three in defensive MVP voting, he was above Aaron Donald. Aaron Donald, who's been great for so long. Last year, it wasn't Donald. It was Chris Jones, who was the best interior defensive lineman. I think for that reason alone, uh, his – He's going to go into the Hall of Fame. I, I, I'm pretty convinced with Chris Jones being in there. Also, you're going to look at the numbers. I know he plays a lot outside as well. I know he plays a lot of edge technically. But when you look at where he played predominantly as inside defensive line and you look at the sack numbers, it's going to be eye-popping. Yeah, and I, I think if he didn't play with Mahomes, he would have been a more serious contender for Defense Player of the Year because he was the most doubled player in the league. And yet his pressure numbers we're right there with Bosa and Parsons coming in at the buzzer. Touchdown, Kansas City! So, seven. The new Netflix documentary series, Quarterback, starring Mahomes and two mid-co-stars, I, I think that's fair to say, looks 
mostly awesome. Are you, are you psyched? Are you going to watch the whole thing? Are you going to fast forward through the Mariota and Kirk Cousins parts? Where are you at with this? I'm actually more excited for Mariota and Kirk Cousins, I think. And I know that's probably a, a hot take, but, but hear me out here. We see everything from Mahomes. Every little thing he does is scrutinized. And I don't mean scrutinized in a negative connotation because he does no wrong, it seems, it seems like. I mean, everything he does is outstanding. We know how great Mahomes is, and this is going to be another feather in his cap of greatness. We're going to see just what he's like during a game and just peel back the curtain even more. But we've done that so much because, again, we scrutinize everything he does. He walks. We talk about it. We don't do that with Kirk Cousins, an average quarterback, slightly above average quarterback. And we don't do it with a backup quarterback now, a guy who got his job taken by a rookie in, in Atlanta and Desmond Ritter. I'm excited to see what Mariota's story is like. A high draft pick, bounced around a lot, backup to starter to backup to starter, then getting backed up again after Desmond Ritter took his job. Now he's backing up uh, Jalen Hurts in Philly. I'm excited for Kirk Cousins to see what he's actually like behind Because he's a fascinating character. I mean, you like that and all that stuff. I, I like Kirk Cousins. I'm excited to see what that story is like because we know his about dad him. energy is just off the charts, man. But we know all about Mahomes. We, yeah. I, and again, I'm not saying I'm not excited for that. I'm stoked for what Patrick Mahomes is, is going to say and, and what this is like. But I am excited to see what it's like for a journeyman quarterback and Marcus Mariota and what it's like for Kirk Cousins, who's been a perpetually franchise tag, basically QB, you know, one, two year deals tops. I'm excited to see it. I think the juxtaposition between Mahomes and Mariota is going to be fascinating because Mahomes was a guy that was picked lower than he should have been that just rose like the Phoenix and Mariota was a top two pick who has, I mean, I don't think even his biggest fan could say that he hasn't disappointed a little bit during his, his pro career. And you see a little bit in the trailer that Marcus Mariota has had to come to terms and grapple with his limitations as a player. He himself probably expected to be much, much better than this for his career to go differently. I mean, last year, he was a bad quarterback. That offense ran uh, ran well because Arthur Smith is a running game genius. I, I think that's the only reason that offense kept kept churning because that guy couldn't hit the side of the barn. And they they uh, it, it's like the Falcons only wanted to pass you know six times a game or something. It was comical. And meanwhile, the Chiefs can't pass enough. So there's just such a difference between these two guys where they started and where they've ended up. And then Kirk Cousins is, is really interesting because he is the, the um, prototypical, this guy will keep you competitive, but you probably can't win with him quarterback. He and Derek Carr, I would say, kind of fit that mold. And the Vikings are just kind of like stuck with him because the alternative's worse. So I think a, a window into that could be fascinating as well. Yeah, Briscoe and I like to call it the bucket quarterback. He's the quintessential bucket quarterback. Again, a little bit above average. You know, he keeps you in games. He's not going to take you out of games. But he's, again, probably not going to win you a lot of games. It's him. It's Dak Prescott. It's uh, Derek Carr. Uh, uh, I don't know if Russell Wilson's in the bucket anymore. Russell Wilson may have been drained from the bucket. But you get what I'm saying. Yeah. Guy, Tua Tugavaloa was probably in the bucket as well. You grab one out, put him on any I don't. Teams, I don't agree on Dak, but but – but that's a conversation for another day. But I, I totally agree with your point, your larger point, that 
that's the kind of quarterback he is. My favorite part was when he spun around at the goal line, did a little flip pass to CH, and just casually walked away and said, I'm like that. I mean, Kansas City. So you mentioned this earlier. Yesterday, Stephon Diggs skipped mandatory minicamp and head coach Sean McDermott, he sounded worried, right? But today, Diggs was present and they claim everything is like magically resolved just in 24 hours. What the hell is going on in Buffalo? I I don't get it. This This seems weird. There's more to this, right? This is one of the weirdest situations I have ever heard. Josh Allen had a wild quote that I thought was very, very uh, alarming if you're a Bills fan. Uh, He said, I think we're just, as an organization, maybe not communicating the right way with everything. So again, just trying to talk and listen at the same time and hear him out. And like I said, just try to move this forward as quickly and as respectfully as possible in quote. That's from Josh Allen. I don't know what's going on. It's not about money. He got a new deal that he signed at the start of last off season. So it should not be about money, but the last thing, but the last thing we we remember about Stefan Diggs was him in the playoffs yelling at Josh Allen on the sideline. There is some disconnect. We don't know what it is, but if I were a bills fan, I would be very, very worried. I get Stefan Diggs. I get his frustration. I'm not sure he always handles it the right way, but he was right about himself in Minnesota. And I think he's right about himself in Buffalo. They get into the playoffs. See, the the Bills beat up on bad teams, but I think they struggle against good defenses, against good defensive coordinators especially, and they struggle to get Stephon Diggs the ball in big games. We've seen it time and time again. Even the, the shootout, the famous Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes playoff shootout that with the 13 seconds and all that, we shut him down in that game. That's why Gabe Davis went crazy. I think also the honey badger getting hurt had somewhat to do with that, but Gabe Davis, despite the fireworks of that game has not been consistent. They really have not had a consistent number two. And that allows opposing defenses to just lock up Stefan Diggs. And when that happens, Josh Allen has the tendency to implode. He has more turnovers over the past three seasons in one-score games than any other quarterback in the league. And I think he's a top-three quarterback in the NFL. I think he's a fantastic player. But there's something wrong with the coaching staff and, and, and this, this chemistry in the playoffs, right? Yeah. There, there, there's If you're a Bills fan again, this is not good. I get why this you jump through the tables, right? This is not good. Um, the Chiefs have already proven they can win a Super Bowl with Mahomes no longer on a rookie contract. The Bills didn't prove they could do it with him on a rookie contract. Things get more and more difficult as your quarterback takes up more and more of the cap space, which we're seeing with Mahomes and which we're going to see with Josh Allen and eventually Joe Burrow. Um, you can't trade Stephon Diggs. His contract is untradeable because it would have the Bills incur a dead cap hit of $31.1 million. His deal also included $70 million guaranteed. So they have a lot of money given out to him, to Josh Allen, to uh, Von Miller. You know, I, I think Tredavious White and Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer. Eventually, you're going to – Matt Milano is a great linebacker. I'm sure he's getting paid. And Ed Oliver and all these guys – 
their window's not as open as the Chiefs, or even to an extent, I don't know about the Bengals, if they're as open as the Bengals. They're in win-now mode, and if their number one wide receiver sits out, or if there's any question marks about what's going on with him and the organization, watch out. This could be an implosion in the making. Yeah, and I think if they have another result with Diggs in the playoffs like they had last season, he may very well force his way out in 2024. Uh, does not seem like there's there's harmony in Buffalo. And I kind of wonder if their window is, is, like you said, is closing. And they're going to be one of these teams that history kind of forgets because they never got over the hump. Kansas City. All right, moving on, number nine. Travis Kelsey says he plans to play till the wheels fall off. I know that was music to my ears. I'm sure it was music to everybody's uh, who's listening's ears. What do you think that means? Until he can't anymore. Until he can't. I, I, I think he's going to be here a, a, a good chunk, a good chunk longer. Uh, how effective, how many snaps in five years will he receive? I don't know. That remains to be seen. But again, you look at what he did last year and it was, what his most statistically successful season in the NFL. It's incredible what he's done. He obviously takes care of his body. Uh, he is a unicorn. They don't use him as a blocker a ton. And that's where you see a lot of these blocking tight ends all of a sudden start to break down George Kittle, Rob Gronkowski. Uh, when you're used in that role, it's a extra toll on your body. They use Travis Kelsey at times like a souped-up big wide receiver, and it works. And that knock on wood, it's somewhat kept him healthy. So I think Travis Kelsey still has a lot in the tank, and I don't think he's slowing down anytime soon. Yeah, I, we've talked about Tony Gonzalez so much that I went back and I looked at Antonio Gates at the ages of thirty and 30, uh, 34 and 35, excuse me, because I think Gates – had a little bit more time in his prime during the kind of uh, passing explosion of the past 10 or so years. And what I found was that 34 year old Antonio Gates, who I think the similarities are maybe Kelsey's a little bit more fluid, but Gates was an incredible player. He had the innate ability to really just know at all times where to go in space to get open just extremely good at it. So he had 44 first downs and 12 touchdowns at 34. He was also top 15 in EPA quarterback EPA when targeted. So a really productive year. He didn't have a thousand yards, but he had 800 something. And then, and then, uh, then at 35, he was top 10 in yards per route run among tight ends. Uh, he was just a really impressive player in his mid thirties. And I think Travis, is playing better at was playing better at 33 than Antonio Gates was playing at 33. So I think if you look at guys like him and Gonzalez and Sharp, instead of some of these guys that tore up their bodies blocking, I mean, the only guy that I can think of that's a blocking tight end that lasted a long time has been Mercedes Lewis. Yeah. Who I, I just have no clue how that guy is still playing at almost 40 as a primarily blocking tight end, but he maybe he's just built more like a tackle or something. But I think we've got... I think he's going to be in Kansas City for four more years, five if we're lucky, three if we're unlucky, and hopefully Kelsey staying around will help encourage Andy Reid to stay around, uh, stick around too. 
Uh, I like this from Ronald. Uh, Ronald in the chat says he's going to play as long as Jason Witten did, turn into a savvy vet as he gets older. And that's a good point. He already is a savvy vet, but athleticism, and yeah, he's fast and he's quick and he, he's obviously a mismatch nightmare. But again, it's not like he's the, the most athletic tight end in the NFL. He is shifty. He knows how to get separation. He knows how to get open. He knows how to find the soft spot in the defense. He's going to continuously do that even as he gets older. He's just going to get even smarter and more heady. I'm all in on Travis Kelsey still being effective three-plus years from now. And Jason Witten, who was still good despite – I don't think at the end that guy could outrun me right now. Um, He's a cautionary tale of retiring too early because he went into broadcasting and, and bless his heart. He was terrible at it. And then he unretired. So just keep playing Patrick worry about the off the field stuff. later. Kansas City. Our final one, number 10 running back to Prince and wide receiver, Richie James, one of Sterling's guys, you, uh, well, famously in, in the chief space called him coming to Kansas city. They've drawn praise as two of the off season standouts. How much playing time is even available for these two players? I think a decent amount for Richie James. I don't think a ton for Daenerik Prince. I think Daenerik Prince will be the starting kickoff returner. When I hear him compared to Niall Davis and with the, um, I will, I don't want to say injury concerns to McKinnon because he hasn't been here in Kansas City, but just the past, his veteran leadership, everything he's about. I don't think we see Jerry McKinnon a ton in the regular season. With Clyde Edwards-Alaire, we don't really know. I think the Chiefs keep four running backs on the active roster, and I think that means that Eric Prince is the kick returner. First and second down is going to be Isaiah Pacheco, and probably third down, a combo of McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Alaire. I think Prince just in there for good measure. Uh, when it comes to Richie James, he was probably the most productive wide receiver of any wide receiver currently on this Chiefs roster. You saw what he did last year with Daniel Jones. He showed out at the end of the year. He really had a nice uptick in usage because the Giants had no one, and he stepped up. He was the guy that stepped up and really started carrying that offense. I think Richie James, now being a veteran on this team, right? He's, he's a veteran because Sky Moore is a second-year guy. You have uh, Rasheed Rice, who's a rookie. I think you're going to see Richie James get a decent opportunity. And you spoke to him, right, at, at, at MVS's charity game? Yes. Yes, I did. And it was, it was it was enjoyable talking to him. I asked him about OTAs in San Fran because he was in San Francisco originally, then he was in New York, and now he's here in Kansas City. He goes, OT, they're, they're, they're old school. Andy Reid's old school, but I can see why the Chiefs are winning. He, he could see just right away things are different here in Kansas City. I'm not saying that he didn't say anything's bad about San Fran, anything's bad about the Giants. It wasn't a long talk about this, but he did point out you can see why the Chiefs are winning based on OTA with Andy Reid. That's something right there. Well, like Bilicek, he, uh, Andy Reid has cachet that most coaches don't. I think if if other coaches without that weren't legendary like Andy is try to do training camp and OTAs the way Andy does. I don't think it would it would go over with players well, but he just has so much credibility as a coach that people buy in, players buy in. Uh, with Prince, one of the reasons he's getting some burn right now is I, Isaiah Pacheco's out. He's still he's still recovering from um, from surgery, 
right? So I like that he's getting opportunities. I like that McKinnon called him a standout. Uh, he's impressed the coaching staff clearly, but he's probably going to be number four in the pecking order as much as the people who are tired. And I'm one of them of the uh, Clyde Edwards Alaire saga. I'm eager for that to end, but I think we've got another year before it does. Richie James is interesting because it's him and MVS as, as far as the vets are. I think you could almost call Kadarius Tony a rookie last year because he, between his first and second year, he kind of played so little that I don't know how much more experience he had than, than say, Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice is going to have coming in. So uh, those three guys are very young. Justin Watson is more of a, a depth complementary piece. I think Richie James has, has more utility, uh, not only in, in, in the offense, doing some of the gadget stuff we've talked about, but also as a punt returner. I'd love to see him do that. Let's keep Kadarius Tony in bubble wrap, uh, hermetically sealed, uh, and, and get him the ball and try to like milk explosive plays out of him and not waste him on special teams until the playoffs. Yeah. Right. Yeah. 100% with you. Richie James, the gadget guy, he's going to take some hits off of Kadarius Tony. I'm all in. Touchdown, Kansas City. It's summer, guys. And, you know, we're really milking every little nugget we have, but. That's all we have for you today, short and sweet. Until next Wacky Wednesday, I'm Adam. This is Sterling. Go Chiefs.